you know, they used to call me Jeremiah, Pastor, because when I spoke every time, my cheeks were wet at the end. So God, just, just be with me. Um, but when the first drop of Jesus Christ's blood hit the ground, it reverberated the world one million times. So I want to take an opportunity to rebuke the devil out of here. You have no place in this building. And I want to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this church and everybody in here. I want to ask God to fill this place with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just can't do it without you. And you know, God will lead you down such a road. It's absolutely incredible where it'll take you. At the beginning of 2015, I had no earthly idea that I'd be in Ohio. Let alone in Newark, Ohio at the Church of God. You see, I was raised United Methodist. And thank God for that, I was raised in a good country church. Where I was raised is not part of what the movement has become. But somewhere along the lines... I started to change. I remember I ran into a Baptist minister and he asked about my background and I told him I was a United Methodist. And he said, I've never met a United Methodist like you. He said, you plead the blood of Jesus. You pray for the Holy Spirit. He said, you, you always invoke the best out of people. I said, I'm half Baptist and half Pentecostal, truly. But I'm 100% Church of God. I just didn't know it yet. You know, thank God Almighty for this. I mean, surely the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. We went through the wilderness for a while. And, I, and truthfully, I didn't know where God was leading. I felt kind of like we were spinning our wheels here and there. We first went to this church. And you know when you go to a church and you just don't feel right. You just don't feel like it's really where you're supposed to be. But you're waiting on the Lord. The Bible talks about waiting on the Lord. So then we went to another church. And at first, it, it, it kind of felt right, but the longer we were there, we were still feeling it out. And we thought, well, this doesn't feel right either. And then we went to a third church. We were on a mission. We were looking for where God was trying to lead us. We went to a third church. And, you know, it, it, it was a pretty good church. We appreciated it. But there was something, just a little something missing. And I thought, Lord, I'm not a church hopper. But I was on a mission. So I was still hanging out there a little bit longer than I wanted to. But they shut it down during the pandemic. And I told my wife, I said, if they shut it down again, we're gone. Praise God for his almighty, all-knowing wisdom. Because he was leading us somewhere. They shut the church down again. And I told my wife a church like this was out there because I've had good experiences in some good churches. God's always put me around men of God my whole life. I've, I've truly been blessed in that regard. 
And my wife Googled spirit-filled churches. And I think the Holy Spirit took over Google. Because the church of God at Licking County was the first result in the search engine. Well, we came here. Justin, you were the first thing that touched me, buddy. You don't know this, but You were up here in the choir and I saw God in you. And then Chad. I saw God in you. Casey, I saw God in you. Brother Gerhard, I saw God in you. Anita, I saw God in you. You see, God's working on a building. And this isn't a physical building. Brother Romine, your amens reverberate all the way through my soul. I saw God in you. And then Pastor Tony Bartlett. This is not a time for weak, watered-down messages. I love this man so much because he presents the Word of God And he doesn't worry about the results. That's what pastors are called to do. They're not called to cleverly convince men to follow the Lord. They're called to present the word of God and leave the results up unto him. This is not a time for weak, watered down messages. In a time like this, we need a defense. The Bible says no weapon. Thank you, Lord. No weapon. If this doesn't get you fired up, nothing will. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. In every tongue that rises against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the service and the heritage of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. I want to ask you tonight, who fights your battles? Have any weapons been formed against you that are prospering lately? What about your loved ones? And this is big. Are any lost? I know I'm I'm burdened for some of my loved ones that don't know the Lord. Is their battle not yours too? Who fights your battles? You know, Jehoshaphat in the Bible, had a mighty army encamped around him. He was outnumbered 
many times over. Me personally, I would have been pretty scared at that point. Especially being a leader because you know the buck stops there. The army's loss ultimately fell on his shoulders, but God taught him something. He said, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Who fights your battles? How can God fight our battles? By using his word. The Bible teaches, then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Listen to this. God's trying to tell us something. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then it says the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. You know, you want to drive the devil out of your life? Start quoting scripture. Jesus used scripture for scripture against the devil and he defeated him. Are you using the word of God to fight your battles? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Ezekiel eleven nineteen through 20 says, Wonderful words of God. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people. And I will be their God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Tell me these aren't powerful. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross and he said it is finished, he crushed Satan's head. It's about time we ought to start taking up our blood-stained banners and serving the Lord in each and every way we can. And you know what? Weaponizing the Word of God is one way to do it. But we have to rely on the promises of God, too, to claim the victory for ourselves. 
you want to stir up the Holy Spirit, start quoting the promises to God. Moses quoted the promises back to God. If you have your Bibles, will you turn to Exodus chapter 32? This is a pretty in-depth passage here, but I wanted to consult the whole counsel of God on this because it's that amazing. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down the mountain... They gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then he said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it. And have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. And they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them. And that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. This is big, watch this. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Let me give this a little context here. When it said the people had got done uh, tired of 
waiting on Moses at the bottom. He'd been up there 40 days. But let me put that in context. They were wandering in Egyptian slavery for 430 years. So Moses was on the mountain with God for 40 days and the people got tired of waiting. Let me put that in context. They had already seen so many miracles. Aaron's rod was turned into a serpent. The bitter waters at Merah had been turned sweet. Water flowed from the rock at Rephidim. They were brought out of Egyptian slavery. The Red Sea had parted. Manna came down from heaven. And ten plagues had fallen on Egypt. They had seen all these miracles. But Moses was up there 40 days. And the people got tired of waiting on him. First of all, think about Aaron. When the people came to Aaron and they said, we want you to fashion us a calf. He should have said, you're out of your mind. Worship the God, the true God, and serve Him only. But he didn't say that. He said, bring me your gold. Can you imagine? After all the miracles they'd seen, you expect a little more from Aaron. He said, bring me your gold. And imagine God, how He must have felt. He delivered these people from Egyptian bondage 430 years? And they couldn't wait 40 days on Moses? He had showed them all these miracles and His power. Imagine how His anger must have burned. But listen to this. When Moses quoted the promises to God... His anger relented. People have debated this verse for a long, long time. They've said, did God change his mind? I don't believe God changed his mind. I believe he was waiting for somebody to stand on the promises. Are you with me? That's exactly what I believe. He was waiting on Moses to stand up for his people. But look at what Moses did. What a man. He said, I'll make you a nation. Forget about this Abraham guy. We're going to start fresh with you. I'm going to make you a nation. But even then, Moses said, no, spare your people, God. When you start quoting the promises to God, God moves. When God sees you clinging to His Word, standing on the rock and crying out, God will fight your battles. When is the last time you quoted the promises to God? In Isaiah 41.10, You, Lord, said, Do not fear, for you are with us. You said, Do not be dismayed, for you are our God. 
You said you will strengthen us and help us. You said you will uphold us with your righteous right hand. In Deuteronomy 31.8, you said yourself will go before us and you will be with us. You said you will never leave us nor forsake us and we're standing on that promise. But we have to realize and recognize the power that we have. But it's easy to forget. It's very easy to get mired down in the muck. There's a story from the Revolutionary War. So some cavalry was in a great hurry to get to the battlefield. The small army encamped over here was vastly outnumbered by the army encamped here. And the cavalry, the United States cavalry, was in a mighty rush to get there to support the little army that they had that they were worried about getting mowed down. Yah, yah, the cavalry's just going through as fast as they can. And before they know it, they're right in the middle of the enemy's encampment. They got the butts of their guns. They're hitting people in the head, knocking them down like that. And then one of their, their leaders, he says, let them taste the saber. You see, in the heat of the battle, they forgot that they had a sword on their side. Are you following me? They took out their swords and they started slashing and hacking and it was a done deal at that point. Sometimes we forget the weapons that we have at our disposal. And the greatest weapon I've encountered is prayer. Prayer is a weapon that most people do not properly utilize. There's power in prayer and there's tremendous power in corporate prayer. You know... It's a house of music. It's a house of singing. It's a house of preaching. Thank God, because I love a good sermon. I love the meat. It's a house of preaching. It's a house of fellowship. But Jesus didn't refer to it as any of these things. He said it's a house of prayer. Prayer is the foundation of all things that we must progress forward with. But too many people are praying for the wrong things. You know, I had a friend, and he, he got a new Corvette. He'd, he'd been saving money forever and a day for it. It was parked out in his driveway. I went over to see him, and he said, this is the new Corvette I've got. Don't you think it's nice? I said, wow, it's super nice. I got in it. Checking out the leather seats and all that. And he said, God gave me the desires of my heart. I said, something about that doesn't make sense to me. Something about that doesn't sit right with me at all. So we've got to pray for the right things. One thing I try to pray for is to get to know God better. It's so easy to get mired up in praying for our health when, when you have health problems. I think most people in this room have had a health problem or two at least once in their life. It's so easy. 
God, God, give me a healing. It's so easy to get caught up in that and pray for that only. There's a place for that, don't get me wrong. But it's so easy to let that consume you. It's so easy to be consumed with, God, I need more money to support my family a little bit better. It's so easy to be consumed with that. It's so easy to be consumed with your children. You're stewards of your children, but that's not what it's all about. It's all about God. It's all about the throne. At the end of the day, it's all about the throne. It's so easy to be consumed and distracted by these things. But the crux of it is to pray to get to know God better. I've seen some miracles in my life and maybe down the road I'll be fortunate enough to tell you guys some more of them. Um, if, if I'm blessed to, to return a time or two, I'll like to share a more, some more of the miracles that I've encountered in my life. But God has he showed me some miracles so far along the way, Chad, and I thank God he has. It's really encouraged me. One of the miracles God showed me, I was at my friend's house. And, and I had a long history with this guy. We played football together. We, um, I used to do martial arts, jiu-jitsu, and we did that together. We had, had a lot in common. Well, as we got older, I was over at his house visiting with him one day. And the way he spoke about God. You know, sometimes when somebody talks about your father like that, you get mad as a hornet. And the way he spoke about God. I remember I hit that door coming out of his house. Boom, I about knocked it off the hinges. I was mad. Because when somebody talks about your father like that, are you following me? I got mad, but I weaponized prayer. This is how we fight our battles on our knees. I weaponized prayer for this man. I prayed heavy and hard. It didn't come overnight, but eventually I received a phone call from him. God was working on his heart. Now, he wasn't even close to turning at this point. But I said, can you do one thing for me? Can you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself? God, move with quickness. He truly did. Three days later, I got a call from this guy. He said, I got up out of my bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and got down on my knees and started praising God. I'm talking about a reprobate, foul-mouthed man. I've seen miracles. And I thank you, God, for showing me miracles that yet to come. I've seen miracles. You know, at a former church I was involved with, I really 
became close with one of the older ladies and she used to have me over for supper and I'd talk to her husband and stuff. And she had a big burden for her husband because for 46 years he had not set foot in a church. Well, she told me what the story was. At that point, 46 years ago, she took him to church and the pastor, he probably had a belly full of the Holy Spirit because he needed to hear this. The pastor came to him and he pointed to him and he said, you need to get right with God. And he never returned. For 46 years he was out of the church. We weaponized prayer. We prayed for this man faithfully, long and hard. Multitudes of people. One morning he woke up and his wife's name was Jean. He said, Jean, I'm ready to go to church. But just because you come to church doesn't mean you're going to be saved. The best is yet to come. Some sow, some reap. And thank God I was fortunate enough in this situation to reap because man... <laughs> When, when, you, when you're in that situation, you just praise God's holy name for it. I was talking to him after church one evening. And I said, are you ready to turn your life over to the Lord? Just as matter of fact as could be. And he said, yes, I am. You know, God can take a heart of stone... And soften it in an instant. I've seen miracles. You know, I want to open up this altar for prayer. Do any of you have loved ones that aren't saved, that need prayer? Do any of you need a fresh anointing? I know I do. Do any of you need a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit? I want to open up the altar and if anybody wants to pray, they can come forward. I want to thank Pastor and Chad so much. You know, I've, it's been too long since, since I've been up here speaking and I'm just, just so glad to be at the Church of God here in Lincoln County. Thank you.